This is the legendary Tom DeFalco, and you're listening to Superior Spider Talk. Welcome to the Superior Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan, and I'm the editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Chinacchio, the editor of the Chasing Amazing blog. Thanks for joining us for the 35th and final episode of Superior Spider Talk. <gasps> really? We'll get to that, Mark. We'll get to that. In the meanwhile, we hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yes, and for episode 35, apparently this final episode, we'll be discussing Superior Spider-Man number 31, answering some fan mail, discussing Spider-News, and then conclude by discussing the now-classic Amazing Spider-Man number 700. And then please make sure that you stick around for the end of the show, as Dan and I have a very important message about the future of the show that you do need to hear, and maybe it'll tie into this whole final thing, right, Dan? Yes, please stick around. And if you don't plan on sticking around, at least skip to that part of the podcast by using the chapter selection arrows on your player. Also, if you hear this sound, please check out your iOS device for a link to an article, video, or image to enhance your listening experience. Mark, it's the end of Superior Spider-Man, so let's get right to it. Number 31. Dan, Superior Spider-Man number 31, and, and this is coming on the heels of um, the last episode where you and I had a difference of opinion on Superior Spider-Man number 30, and I gotta tell you, Dan, after reading 31, and then kind of putting it in concert with 30, because I do feel they're, they're, even though it's all part of Goblin Nation, they're kind of two parts two parts of the same arc for the most part this return of peter parker um I, I i now find myself pretty much agreeing with everything you said last episode dan you are vindicated i was wrong i'm not going to change my grade because you know I, I i have a i have some integrity to uphold here in terms of the grades i give but 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 man i i i, I am i am just really let down by superior spider-man number 31 um mark, I'm how printing, about you dan I'm, I'm printing a t-shirt right now that says mark was wrong dan was right <laughs> or that i disagreed with you and and admitted that i was wrong yeah whatever however you need to do it but <laughs> i'm not yeah. gonna, i'm not gonna gloat i'm not gonna gloat it's, i i am uh i feel like it's unfortunate that we find ourselves agreeing on this yeah i mean you know it's not that i thought that this was a bad comic although 
I've been reading and the more I read it, the more I'm starting to almost go in that direction. But but there was just some really questionable moments, things that didn't sit right, really wacky out of character stuff. And and it just in general, like like this was this was the story that we've been building and building and building and it, this was supposed to be epic and grand and you know like Dan Slott's magnum opus and I got to the end, especially to the end of the first story. There were you know, there were two primary stories here in this issue. I got to the end of the first one and I was kinda like, That's it? That's that's what we've been doing for the last sixteen months. Well, I want to say before we get really into this that, Mark, yeah. you and I have been podcasting on this for now over a year, um, which, yay for us, our anniversary has passed. Um, yes. And I've had a ton of fun doing that and reading the Superior Spider-Man comics. So, like, shout out to, you know, how fun it's been and, and how much of a ride it has been. And while maybe the ending isn't what we expected, like... This to me will be a very memorable, like part of the Spider-Man legacy moving forward. Oh, absolutely! I mean, you know, if 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 the, if there's one benefit, it's it's it 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 brought you and I together on the same podcast, Dan. So I I think that's 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 it right there. But but beyond that, you know, there is a comic to discuss. Let's talk about it. Let's start breaking some stuff down as we as we like to do. Um, you know, I, I guess, you know, let me, let me just start throwing things out there in terms of what I was, was disappointed by. And then, and then you can add embellish or agree or disagree. Um, I mean, I guess the big, the big thing for me was, uh, where were the consequences for Peter? Um, you know, we, we, we have been, we have watched Otto Octavius make, you know, mincemeat out of his life for the last uh year and a half or so um and it just seems like things were just so simply explained away hi carly i I, i'm actually i'm peter i'm back oh peter hug yeah like doc ock wouldn't lie to her face like he's been doing for the past year um and like um and oh and uh, let me tell you something only you and i know you saw me when i was dying which you know that like that that wasn't that wasn't the only you and i would know kind of a thing i i i didn't i i wasn't feeling that and then i mean can um, we talk about that for a second because it breaks the internal logic of the script um Mm -hmm. because it's not something that only he would know because if doc ock has all of the memories of Peter Park in, Parker in him that he was able to use to restore his own memory from uh, li- reliving Doc Ock's life. The only reason Doc Ock has those memories is because Peter, like, forced him to relive them before his own death. So the only reason that Peter has those memories is because he got them from when he was reliving Doc Ock's life in the mindscape and the only reason doc Ock got them was because peter gave them to him so yep. it's not doc Ock would know about it he's not the only one who would know about it it just doesn't make an internal sense and even now just talking about it to you i'm tying my tongue and brain into knots yeah but, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of that in this issue Dan. <laughs> so let's distribute it i mean so then uh, okay so then the next the next instance of this was miguel o'hara you know miguel's ready to like choke him out and it's just like wait no i, I was switched with doc ock and his you know he was glibly responds yeah that's just stupid enough to be right let's go and it's like Oh come on, man! Like, like, is anybody gonna give a crap? And then uh, I don't even think he explains it to the Avengers. But I guess, like, you know, the Avengers 
who were ready to arrest Spider-Man last issue just were like, oh, well, you're back on the team. Great. And, yeah, and it's what? like, yeah, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's, it's two, it goes two ways here. The characters, you know, there's no sympathy, there's no anger, there's no incredulous, you know, no one's acting like that's, that's ridiculous. And it's also Peter, like, like, this is this is a traumatic thing. He's been dead for the last however many months in this book that have taken place. And he's just kind of like, all right, everybody, it's cool. I'm back. All right. I got the next round of drinks. Spider-Man time. Like, like, like the tone is just all over the place. Like, what is this book? What am I reading right now, Dan? Is this Spider-Man? It, it makes me wonder about, like, what the relaunch book is going to look like because I – I worry that it's going to be like very like happy and peppy and not deal with any of this stuff because they want people to pick it up after the Amazing Spider-Man 2 movie and not be mired in this continuity. In in which case they should have ended this earlier and not bloated it with these like, you know, venom arcs and things like that. Like choose it one way or the other because the appeal to this book like for me and you I, I know has always been, wow, this is like a referendum on Peter Parker. Wait till he gets back and proves and has to deal with all this stuff and in the process proves how much better he is at this. Now, we're not writing the book, so, you know, and that's fine. I don't ask to write the book. But, you know, a lot of this book has been built on that idea. I mean, we're waiting to see what happens with the black cat, which seems to be one of the only things that's really going to have an effect on the status quo going forward, except for a couple other little things, like little minor things. But, like, yeah, it was really bothersome. And and, and I wonder, like, it's really odd from Slot to just kind of wipe this under the rug because it's only to his benefit as a writer to have this stuff. One, it's a ton of storylines he can go into and character moments he can, you know, explore. But it also completely removes the legacy of the superior Spider-Man book if it doesn't mean anything yeah no that's <laughs> you're you're right um let's 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 throw a couple other things out there if you don't mind sure, i mean not, yeah not not not, not 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 i mean i i disagree i i disagree with you 100 percent. so what, what else can i add to that yeah. <laughs> um, um so um okay so here's the other thing and you and i talked about this last last issue last episode and i kept kind of saying ah well let's see what's in 31 but so so no no auto at all which i just so so that so what we got in superior 30 i mean i'm assuming he's going to come back at some point because it's comics but like what we got in superior 30 for all intents purposes was the the end of auto and that's and this is one of those instances where i definitely like rethink my opinion on superior 30 because that's that's then. That's just like a really lame way to go. I didn't think he was necessarily trying to trick Peter again, but I I thought that there would be some semblance of Otto's presence in this book, and not just with that really weird final panel, which I actually thought like the writing for it was really clunky. Like it was just a couple of words, it, you know. Like oh, someone did die today, but like the way the way it was semantically written, I was like. Ugh. Like that, that it, it, it 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 lacked it lacked polish, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I I agree with you there. I like the like thought, but it's kind of odd because it's like he forgot about Doctor Octopus, like, and then 
seeing Anna Maria, this woman who's been duped by him, like crying, gets him to realize, oh, like someone did love this person. Um, okay, like that's kind of a nice thought. Now, I'm more curious, like what's going on with Anna Maria? This moment seems so final for her, and there was very little thought from Peter, like, oh no, how am I going to handle this person? You know, instead of lying to her or like something, is he going to like deal with this or is Anna Maria out of the book now? Like, I don't know a reason for her to like be out of the book because as far as she knows, Peter's fine and she can go back to being with him. Yeah. I I mean, and I think she's a great character and I guess, you know, well, well, this is, this is an instance where like, you know, like they got to walk on, on, you know, carefully not you know in terms of how they approach this because like this this could this could turn out to be really silly and stupid very easily this whole oh it's it's peter but it, you know it's not the peter that anna maria thinks but he's trying to be the right the, the do the the right thing and like i i just see something being very sitcommy and kind of out of that did that make sense yeah i just get the feeling that she's just going to be swept under the rug like i don't know what i have to like Base that on, but for some how about, reason, how about the last thirty-one issues of Superior? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 but yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I just kind of feel like this was it for her. Like that was her exit moment. She made her thematic statement and then like left. Uh, and I, I kind of, I don't know. I'll be interested to see if she comes back because for some reason I feel like when she's not going to come back. But you know, I have nothing to base that on. So I, you know, who knows. Maybe she's the return of you-know-who in the solicitations. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I think that's actually going to be um, uh, Ben Riley. That, that's my theory that the you-know-who is Ben Riley. But Oh, wow. It's well, uh, guess, another universe Ben Riley and setting I up guess, Spider-Verse. Yeah, although we, we, we're going to be setting up this second person bit by the spider thing too apparently. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to that at some point. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's interesting. Um so let's talk about the Spider-Man Green Goblin fight, um, separate from the Green Goblin reveal. Um, I, I just thought the fight was kind of, kind of weirdly paced. Not a lot of build. It, it felt rushed. It was uninteresting. Like, like you know, it wasn't like, oh, this is the Goblin fight, the top all Goblin fights. I mean, you know, we were joking about how in New Ways to Die. You know, at least at one point, Spider-Man, like, you know, cracks Norman's skull against the wall. You know, there was nothing like that. I mean, you know, I guess the the added thing was the the goblin serum injection. But, um, you know, like it, it, it the whole thing with I'm going to come after you because Anna Maria can take care of herself felt really like what? Like, 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 where did this come? Where did this character beat come from? Like, what, where, 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 where are we pulling this from? Well, like, this is kind of one of those things where, you know. The the Spider-Man book, like the Superior Spider-Man book, is about a mind swap, right? So yeah. all the differences between the characters need to be expressed from a character point of view because they look, you know, for all intents and purposes, identical, except for maybe some like gestures and the way they dress themselves. You know, it's the same guy. It's Peter Parker's body. So like to know that Peter Parker is back, it needs to be really distinctly and definitively Peter Parker. And I think there are moments in this there. Uh, I, I really loved the making fun of his bag moment. Mm. Um, and the reaction from the goblin when he suddenly realizes, Oh, like this is very clearly Peter. I thought that was a real highlight of the superior era. Like it was a good character moment, but um, like this moment with Anna Maria, like I don't know that I've seen Peter be, 
Like, I mean, he, yes, he's been written all different ways throughout the years, but like to have a definitive Peter Parker moment, like that moment, that seems like something Otto would do. And, yeah. and, and it doesn't say to me, oh, Peter is back 100% definitively. I'm not saying like Otto is still there, but like it's not a striking like, wow, this is such a change of character. It, you know, he just has a couple new jokes. Um, yeah, well, well, especially coming from a character who just one issue earlier was lecturing Otto about you do the right thing and you think and you you know you act first and you think later and you know like I don't know I would think like leaving uh, a, a woman on the roof tied up that's about to you know a building that's about to blow would you know the priority would be saving her not apprehending the goblin but yeah right. You know, um- so let's uh, speak about let's speak about this fight too, and it's it's hard to really get into this fight without talking about who's I, under the mask. Can I backtrack with you for a yeah, minute? Sure, like, yeah, sure. Like you, you talked about the line with the handbag, and and it's it's funny. Like I I, I have a mixed reaction to it because it's like you're right. It, it 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 was a fun moment, and like it, it probably was the really only one true moment that defined this Spider-Man as Peter versus Otto in this issue. Uh, you know, I mean, there were a couple others, but that was like, to me, like probably the clearest delineation, but then it kind of, you know, and Dan, like, you know, we have not, we have not podcasted about modern, amazing Spider-Man. So, so, you know, but like something that I talked about pre superior, a lot on my site is like, I just kind of get a little irritated by this, like, the modern interpretation of Spider-Man is like, well, what, who is Spider-Man? And it's always like, well, he's quippy. Cause like, I feel like he's, he's more than that. You know what I mean? He's bigger than that. And there was like a part of me that was like, Oh, that's fun. And then a kind of part of me that kind of groaned because it was like, ah, yes, we're back to this again, where it's like, what's the defining characteristic of Spider-Man is, Oh, he tells jokes. He, well, I mean, I agree, I, you I agree know what with I mean? you. There have been people that have overdone that, but like, we didn't get a lot of jokes in this. We got one, maybe two jokes. You're right. I think it was just the timing and the play because that was like the, the that was the moment where it was like that, like like how does how does Green Goblin know it's 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 the original Spider Man and not not Otto and it's like oh because he told a joke and I guess that's probably the easiest way to do it so that's probably why they went there like you know how do you how do you get into more of the kind of finer points of character. But it was it's it's a look. This is in the grand scheme of things. This is such a minor quibble. But it was like it's 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 the setup of are we gonna you know are we about to kind of going back to what you were saying with the reboot. You know, is this gonna be a series again that's just like jokey jokey Spider Man for you know thirty two pages a week uh, uh, you know a month and and I don't know how I feel about that. You know, I guess it's maybe a bigger problem for you than it is for me because I've always thought there was been. There's been a pretty healthy balance, I feel, like, you know, when it, when it's time to get serious, I feel like this book, you know, under Dan Slott is taking things seriously. Um, you're, you're, you're probably right. I This is this is just a little hang up of mine. Anyway. That's fine. But, but, but let's go back to what you, you were building towards uh, more with the fight and talking about or seeing if we can do it without talking about the reveal or. Well, I mean, one of the things that like the fight begins with as soon as he realizes that it's Peter um, is that the goblin turns tail and like runs away, and Spider-Man comments that he's yellow. Since when has the goblin been like, you know, especially with the goblin serum enhancements, been a chicken? He's always gone toe to toe with Spider-Man, and that seemed like an odd characterization to me. And I was immediately thinking, 
oh, well, then maybe I'm wrong, and it's not Norman Osborn. But guess what? It's yeah, Norman no. Osborn. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess because it's, you know, he wasn't prepared for the original Spider-Man, so he needed to, re- to regroup. I, I, I mean, again, this is me no-prizing it, I guess. Um, but, no, you're right, you're right. And, and, and can we talk about this reveal? Let's talk about this reveal because, uh, you know, I was right. I don't know how happy I am about that. Um, As I say, I, I, I guess, you know, well, you were right. And, you know, I have been saying to some degree like, oh, I, um, you know, after I got past Vin Gonzalez, uh, <laughs> um, I've been saying like, oh, it's it's got to be Norman, but with a catch. There's a condition. There's some. It's not 100 percent him under the mask, which is what it is. But I don't know, man. There's just something about what they did where it just really felt like the worst case scenario. Like, 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 like what was what would have been the least most uninteresting reveal that they could have done and they did it. Oh, it's Norman Osborn with plastic surgery. Yeah. Like, like I, I would have been I would have been more into it if it was Norman Osborn, but he switched minds with somebody. And it was like continuing that game, but with two different characters. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like or or I don't know. Or Norman Osborn from an alternate dimension. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I, I don't mean? know that like, I would have liked that more. I mean, I think but, here's the thing about this. It makes logical sense that Norman Osborn would do this to himself after, you know, how publicly disgraced and, you know, and recognized he became. Um, and it, as soon as we like started talking about Mason Banks, that was our, you know, kind of thought, you know, that, that he's hiding to, to stay in this organization. But my question is not even about the reveal because, you know, a reveal is only as good as the motivations for why the person's hidden, you know? And right. the motivation here seems to be that Norman is operating behind the scenes so that he can formulate Alchemax, you know, and, and create this company so that his new heir, Normie, can can take over and have like a business of his own, and there's some, definitely something wrong with Normie. Like he's been jacked with goblin serum for sure. Like his eyes glow green, and he looks like a crazy person. Yeah, um, but like I actually like that scene for what it's worth. I, I, I did too. I, I did too. Um, but like, what was his game plan here? He's operating underground, um, building up this empire and taking over all of the like crime in the city. To do what? Like it doesn't – to pick, just pick on Spider-Man? Like it doesn't like correspond it, with his other plan to build up Alchemax. Yeah, it doesn't jive. And, and, and you know like – I don't know. I mean granted you know, we, we, we've gotten different treatments of Norman Osborn since he was brought back from the dead uh, in the 90s. But it's like – you know like – he had become such a power broker in the Marvel universe that like this, this whole scheme just feels like a major step down. You know what I mean? Like, like, like why? So this is his grand return. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, the dude was basically running shield and now he's, (laughs) and now he's, he's, you know, like kind of like getting back into the petty crime syndicate again while trying to like build up a company like it just seems like like a, a complete browser refresh of the character right well let's let's be let's be honest here like he didn't really just like go into the crime syndicate like he's trying to take over all of New York City right now yeah but 
I mean, it, it, it feels like what, what, what he was in Ditko during the Ditko era. You yeah, know what I mean? And, and like, you know what? To be honest, I appreciate that return of that Norman Osborn because I like that Norman Osborn. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, I did too. I mean, I, 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 I also like the boldness of the new version of Norman. But I, I know what you're saying. It's, let's, let's not quibble over that right now. There is a moment, though. I will give Dan Slott this credit. There is a moment um, – where he goes down into the sewer after he's apparently been cured, which was such an afterthought. Like, oh, he's he's now cured of the goblin goblin serum. Like, okay, like, yeah. Where was the yeah. big build up to that big thing that's been that just apparently happened off screen? Right. But then there was that weird scene where it was like, yeah, but I'm sane now, and I'm more dangerous than I'm sane, and I'm like. Was he ever sane though? Like, like, don't you have to be sane to be returned to being sane? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's always kind of a Norman shtick. Is even before the Goblin Serum, he was a little, little off kilter, right? Yeah, and I, you know, there you can argue that because there have been varying various ways of him being written. When he was first introduced, he was a pretty normal guy, and the Serum would you know kick him into these fits where he would go into his locker and do crazy things. And then, like, over the years, there's been stories about, him, like, writing his past, and you see how screwed up he always was. So I think that's a bit of a retcon, because I think originally he was kind of a normal, you know, businessman who had right. been messed up by this, you know, gob- goblin formula. But um, I don't really, like, how do you feel about this? Because, you know, a sane goblin, like, we have that. That's Roderick Kingsley. Like, uh like how it's like taking the Joker and making him not crazy, right? Isn't that what J.M. Demetrius wanted to do with Craven's Last Hunt? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is what he said. Yeah, in his book, what going sane or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think about this? I, say the question for me again. I'm not trying to be an idiot. Like, like so. Like, what do you think about Sane Norman? Like, is there an interesting story there? Or does that rob him of what makes him interesting? I, I just don't know what – because the thing is, like, it's it's a paradox because it's like, well, I'm sane now, so now I'm going to be even more calculated and evil. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of like where they leave you, you it's know? Basically it's basically saying, you know, he's not going to have his big showmanship. Like, he's not going to – he says it in the issue. I'm not you know, the Goblin Underground and all that stuff. Like, what was the point of that? Like, you know, now I'm going to come back and not do all that crazy stuff and just be more direct. So then he's going to be head of the Thunderbolts again. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> without without the scene of him, you know, putting on the mask and the and blowing up the base, but, <laughs> but that's what we like Norman for. I yeah, like I'm the say, mask. That was brilliant. <laughs> I love that Warren Ellis. God bless. Um, yeah, I, yeah. What, I, what about what about the curing thing? Like, hold on a second. Where did Peter Parker have the time to whip up mini spider bots? <laughs> Well, you know, he carried him around in his underwear during his dead period. Yeah. Well, at what point does uh, does P- uh, Spider Man become Iron Man? Like, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, plot hole. <laughs> I, I just don't know. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. Oh man, we're gonna we're sounding so negative. Is there anything we could talk about just to break this up that we liked? What about Common Coley? Yeah, I did like Common Coley here. I mean, for the most part, you. 
Oh, absolutely. I, I, I thought this, the, uh, I felt the opening visual of him holding Anna Maria, uh, the goblin holding Anna Maria looked great. Yeah. Yeah. Anything with the, the destruction of like New York city, I thought was really detailed and beautiful. And I think that's where Kamen Coley like does his best stuff when he's allowed to like fill in the background and all right. the little details. Yeah. I mean, his people, his people still are a little off. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, and, and even like his, his, Nor- his Mason Banks, I almost call them Norman Banks. And maybe we can call them Norman Banks now since, since we know it's Norman Osborne. It's kind of like, I mean, I, I felt I was looking at like, uh, you know, the WWE pro wrestler Sheamus or something with the way the face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know who I'm talking about, Dan. I, but. I don't, but I have a very uh, unique image conjured in my mind. Okay. Okay. Maybe, maybe you could throw that up in the uh, in the iOS. Yeah, you, uh, <laughs> I will have to do some research. <laughs> um, yeah. So so Common Coley's people are still a weakness, but yeah, his his cityscapes and like you know his costume, his 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 action and costumes remain great. Yeah, you know. But one thing I want to say, and I, I think I've finally come to a conclusion on this because I've always said that his stuff works better digitally, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it's because I and I was doing a lot of thinking about this. It's because it's a, it provides you a limited view of the comic, so you can really look at the little details in his work. And I think his layouts um, they they don't really allow for easy reading, or like it doesn't allow your eye to like flow through the page like Ramos's stuff does. So I find myself looking at Ramos's artwork longer than I do Common Coley's. So I feel like I rush through his books and that they, you know, that, and that doesn't help Dan Slott's plotting because it's so quick and so busy. Um, that when I get the small things, I really appreciate his stuff more. Um, because his images are like really layered and dynamic. Like there's that shot of like when, you know, uh, Peter is, you know, and, and 2099 are going towards the building and you have the um, uh, menace kind of flying in and her, you see the edge of her glider and her foot. Like that was a great image, um, you know, but sometimes I just skip past it because the the um, the way the panels are set up doesn't allow for me to like notice those things. And maybe it's just me being a fast reader, but they, sometimes the layouts just feel rushed to me. I, I mean – I don't notice, but I, I mean, like, you know, I'm one of those crazy comic book readers that, like, focuses more on the text than on the art, so. Yeah, well, I'll leave that to you because, you know, you're you're probably better at that than I am. But, um, yeah, I don't know. And, and, and one of the other things that uh, the colorist does to, like, make up for Common Coley's kind of, like, need for detail um, and when he can't provide it is he has a lot of these backgrounds that are just kind of, like, gradients. And they just kind of feel hollow to me. And and the colors in this before, like, Peter, like, goes and fights the goblin and the the day is dawning, which I really liked. I liked this kind of change in the dawning of the day. And, and, and I thought that was a nice thematic touch. But the nighttime stuff feels, like, really otherworldly. It's, like, these weird green colors and things like that. And I thought it really, uh, like, didn't ground this issue. It always, always felt very bizarre to me throughout this whole story these kind of nighttime colors that have been used in this book. Do you have a feeling about that? Uh, <laughs> no, not really. Not really. No, <laughs> I can't say that I do. Oh, um, well, it just hits me in a certain way that didn't really work. But I, I do think common Coley's got some great stuff here. Um, so, you know, hats off to him. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, you want to talk about the Christos gauge backup? Yeah, let's do it. 
Um, so, so this was the second part of the story, and this really dealt more with the fallout um, with um, kind of Peter's personal life. I mean, more so than the the first part, which you know, even though he had to admit to a couple of people, hey, it's Spider Man for real this time. Um, but we got some stuff with MJ, some stuff with Jonah, um, with May, and and, and and I mean, to me, this hey, Carly. Um, I appreciated I appreciated this story more because I felt that um, you know things happened and there were consequences to it, right? Yeah, I I preferred this to the um, to the main book as well. Um, you know, I still have when I read Mary Jane in 2014, I still have I just have no idea who this character is anymore. I think I think that you know we can we can, we can thank good old Joe Q for just really putting a hatchet to, to Mary Jane because like I, I just don't think that anybody has really captured who she was since one more day and that's a shame she was a great character I mean you know number one in your top women of Spider-Man countdown right Dan yeah and you can click on the link that appears in your iOS now to read that if you'd like plug plug yeah um although I did I did like the one panel where it was a callback to face it tiger yes uh, <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, I mean, but, but the Jonah stuff was good and we were kind of predicting this. Um, but, but, you know, it seems like out of everybody in the entire Spider-Man universe, I mean, J. Jonah Jameson suffered the worst consequences, which this seems a little, little weird, right? Although Carly is going to need a serious makeover. Yes. Poor Carly. She was so pretty. (laughs) With her color changing hair and. Yeah. You know, sometimes she wore glasses. And stuff. <laughs> Can we get a Carly slide whistle, Dan? Boop. There we are. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, I mean, so it sounds like Carly is gonna is gonna get out of town. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think this might be the last we see of Carly as she exits the book. Now, now, I don't want to like get into crazy speculation here, but we were talking about Return of You Know Who, and and I, I was kind of struck by a Gwen Stacy name drop in this section. I think I missed this. What are you talking about here? Well, there was like, you know, it was uh, Carly and MJ talking to each other uh, about, you know, oh, people who know Peter, you know, the drama follows them. And it's like and and Carly's like, oh, like that girl that he dated that got killed, right? That Gwen. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm like, they're dropping Gwen in here. Like, I mean, not for nothing. We haven't heard much, much out of. Gwen Stacy in, in Spidey Comics. I mean, maybe this is just Stan working Gwen in because of the movie. Yeah. Which is totally possible. Well, you know, it's it's also a nice callback, I thought, too, you know, to the right. history of the book. You know, it, it it did happen. It was a really monumental experience. And I think we always tend to focus in these books on Peter's experience of it. But, like, Gwen was their friend, too, you know? Right, right. But, I mean, you know, how, how much would the Internet's mind explode if um you know amazing spider-man number one volume three ends with gwen stacy returning well that would be really interesting but god i hope that that's not what happens <laughs> i don't see any hint of that happening so let's not make that happen mark don't, like i said don't will just... it into existence <laughs> i don't have those powers <laughs> if i did then vin gonzalez would be the green goblin <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so Jonah, Jonah is, is, is no longer mayor of New York city. That's a huge thing. Um, where, where do we go with Jonah from here, Dan? Well, you know what? I actually really liked, um, the way this was handled and, um, it kind of reignites a fire for like Jonah and Spider-Man's 
hateful relationship of each other. Um, even with Spider, you know, Peter Parker trying to do the best in the situation that he can, but even Jonah calls him out for his lack of ethics. So, uh, I thought that was really interesting. So not only did, you know, Spider-Man blackmail him, even Peter made a mistake by trying to offer him a way out of it, which is right. I guess, ethically wrong. And it's actually really true to their relationship because Peter's been kind of pulling unethical things with Jonah for quite a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. so you know, this is kind of Jonah for you. You know, he's like terrible and self righteous at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, what do you what do you think is going to happen with the character? Does he go back to the media? Does does he find some other thing to do? I mean, I, I think he's done in politics. Yeah, I don't uh, know that I want to see him go back to the the bugle. I'd love to see him do something else. Like, who is the Jonah without a platform? That's that that would be interesting for me to read. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he starts – he does his own startup or something. He has a pizza company. Oh, there you go. There you go. Well, I, you if go. that's actually it, then like boom. Fresh pizza, fresh pizza, Papa Jonas. There you go. Papa Jonas. <laughs> God. <laughs> don't, don't God me. <laughs> well, what about MJ here? Uh, you know, she says she wants Peter Parker out of her life. She's not leaving New York. And she says this interesting thing about, you know – how your responsibility is still a choice and you chose it for yourself and we have our own responsibilities. Like that was interesting to me. But I mean, uh, like you said, this is not the Mary Jane that I like grew up loving. You know, this yeah. is not a like all loving woman who can, you know, who is willing to sacrifice for, you know, her you know feelings about Peter. Like that character is long gone. Yeah. Um, I mean, we saw her selfish we... Mary Jane. Yeah, we saw her in Spider Island, but that was about it. Yeah, really. and what a moment that was! I, I know it, you and I were particularly happy about that. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, but the joke is, it looks like from the solicitations that she and Pedro are all over these first few issues of Amazing. So if she's going away from Peter, she didn't get far. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know that there is escaping Peter for Mary Jane. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. What else you got? Well, let, can we talk? go back to the actual issue, like the main story? Because there's something that really bothered me. Just something? Well, I mean, there's one big thing. Another thing. Because <laughs> we talked about Norman Osborn, but like this dude can apparently book it. Because Oh, yes. Oh, man. They pulled, you know, because we didn't talk about Liz Allen potentially still being evil, which is kind of intriguing to me. Because she pulls off this, you know, the the spider sense jammer and, you know, blasts Spider-Man's head and he lets go of Norman. And then everybody stands around and watches Norman run away. Yeah. And and I got to tell you, I was a little like WTF with with Spidey being like, oh, I believe you, Liz. Yeah. Like and Spider-Man 2099 is just standing there. He's like, oh, yeah, my uh, I could have shot him with some webbing. But, you know, I'm just going to kind of hang out. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go get some jo- Papa Jonah pizza. <laughs> um, I hear yeah, that, that stuff was, is all the rage. It's all the rage. We're going to make it happen. Uh, let's, we're going to get it trending right now. T- tweet it out. Um, no, yeah, the, Papa Jonas. Yeah, Papa Jonas. Um, yeah, that stuff with Norman getting away was ridiculous, Dan. I, I like. I just like. I, I I got nothing. Like that was just ridiculous. Like 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 that's just that's just you know. Hey man, 
I've said it before, <laughs> story over character. I mean, not, I don't even know if it's about character, but it's like it's just you know we need we need Norman out there somehow, and we can't think of a of a well written way to have him get away. So we're just going to do something stupid we'll and invent, look over. We'll invent look over some... there. There's a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll invent some device that you know just kind of does it for us. Yeah. Well, well, Mark, I think we probably said all that we need to say. One thing I, you know, will say wrapping this all up is that like it sounds like you and I are being really nitpicky in a way that we like often aren't. But to me, the plot of this issue was kind of nitpicky from a storytelling point of view. It was crossing, you know, you know, T's and dotting I's and trying to wrap this up really cleanly when it didn't need to be wrapped up cleanly. You know, right. all these storylines didn't need to be resolved. In fact, we were looking forward to them not being resolved. And yeah, yeah, it, it didn't have to be neat and tidy. But like, you know, if you go too far out of your way to be neat and tidy, it ends up feeling even messier. If that makes any kind of sense, you know what I mean? It's like it's just because then you have to like contort things from a plot standpoint or from a character standpoint to make it work to ha- to what you want the new status quo to be. And 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 he did that at last issue too and I defended it because I was like, well, you know, I didn't want to read a story about Peter with amnesia and 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 you know, like I I stand by that idea, but like the fact of the matter is is like that's that's a cheat. You can't do that. You can't you can't build something and then just go nah. And that's what this is, you know, and that's uh, that's why I feel we are being nitpicky. It's not it's not that we want to just sit here and 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 rip all over Dance Slot and Marvel and the Spider Man universe. We we want to love this stuff, and you we've know? loved a lot of these issues on the road yeah. here. So yeah. you know, uh, that's really just kind of I want to like. I'm still excited to read Spider Man and you know and find out what's going on in his world. And I know that we will get to good stories again. Yeah, I mean, I think. <sighs> You know, not not to sound like Debbie Downer here, but I mean, I think I think the thing that that these last few issues, the the impact it's had on me as a reader, and, and I get into this in my in my thoughts on this issue and on Chasing Amazing, is that, um, you know, I mean, not that it, the, the the impact actually is a little profound in the fact that, you know, we've had a couple of these from Dan Slot now where. They're big ideas. They're fun ideas. They sound great on paper. They sound great through the first few issues. They sound great maybe through the first two thirds of the issues, and then they kind of fall off the rails. And and you know it just it's it's I'm waiting for that 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 perfect story again where where it's like you know there's a good end, beginning, there's a good middle, there's a good end. I'm not sitting there thinking about who these characters are and why things changed and why are we serving story over character, and and, and you know. We, we we cite Spider Island a lot. I, I I still maintain that was probably the last really good Spider Man long term story that we got. I mean, outside of a couple of indiv- you know individual one and dones, and um, you know, like what what, what is it going to take to get that? And, and 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 you know, like what should my expectations be when you see in the solicitations? It's the return of you know who. This is the most dramatic thing. Like like can I can I count on? on Dan Slott to come through for this now. Can I count on Dan Slott for Spider-Verse to be anything more than just like one big showboat of of all these different Spider-Men from different universes? And, 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 you know, and like, I think we will get some good stories again, but like, 
you know, it's kind of like, you know, fool me once, shame on, shame on me. <laughs> what is it? Fool me once. We don't get fooled again. I'm sounding like George Bush here. But you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's at this point, it's going to be very hard for me to like have that kind of blind investment as a fan emotionally. Does that sound sensible yeah, to you? I, I, yeah. And what, what, what's odd to me about this whole thing is the buildup was handled pretty excellently. I, I, you know, at least I think I enjoyed this more than I've enjoyed reading Spider-Man, like, you know, as a, as a long-term story for, you know, quite a while. Like it's, it's an, it was a really intriguing idea. And, you know, reading up through issue nine, I was like, this is, you know, yeah. what is going on? And, you know, the reintroduction of Peter, I was willing to like, you know, buy that with the 31 memories. Okay, I'll go along with it. It doesn't make a lot of sense with what was established before. But like thematically, I think the arc of the story was set up. And with a little more time, you know, it probably could have paid off. But I don't know why. It reminds me actually of like the Alpha story where mm. you have like two-thirds of it. It's like, okay, I see what you're doing here. And then the ending is like, boom, it's done. Like, yeah. Why this need to rush through the most important part of the story? Um, and the one question I want to ask as, as we leave Superior behind us is, um, you know, I'm asking like myself, what am I meant to get out of this story overall? You know, we, we talked about how – and we've always talked about how this whole story was a referendum on – what made Peter Parker the best Spider-Man, you know, and that every issue was a comparison of Doc Ock, you know, to to Peter. Like he was still present in the book because we could compare him to Doc Ock. But now that he's back, like what is the big difference between Peter and Ock that allows him to defeat the Goblin? Like what is the difference between the two of them that I meant to take away from this? Because to me – he didn't do anything that – like there was no big cheer moment at the end of this for me to go, yeah, that's Peter. Like what was it? That he – that like the – you know, Doc Ock overused his spider bot so he was negligent? Like because Peter Parker uses the spider bot to beat the goblin anyway. Like what is it like that – you know, that Peter Parker could flip and throw a boomerang knife at Anna Maria and Doc Ock couldn't? Like I don't I don't buy that. Like – what is it that makes Peter Parker special? This story does not sell it to me, and that's what all of Superior's been about selling to me. Um, and like in issue twenty six, where he's like, "I'm going to come back with all my memories that have been hardened." I was ready to believe it. Where is that Peter Parker moment? Why is he better than an Otto? And this is coming from me, like a guy who loves Peter Parker more than any fictional character there is. Like, what, what, what is it? What is Peter Parker's – you know, prove it to me, Dan Slott. Yeah. Well said, Dan. Ah, uh, well, OK. So what's your grade, Dan? Whew, I'm going C minus, but I think, you know, that has a lot to do with the backup and the art and that I think things in this are genuinely like – you know, there's good plot beats here, but like I don't have any emotional connection to this at all. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Dan. C minus for me too. Well, this is the most downer of an ending of one of these we've ever done. <laughs> but let's move into our comments and emails where we're likely to get people saying how much they like how positive we are on <laughs> Superior Spider-Man. Let's do it, Dan. <laughs>
So we're, we're, we're about to get into some emails and comments and, um, you know, in terms of how you might be able to get in touch with us in the future. Uh, again, teaser, teaser, please stick around for the end of the show. But for now, let's, let's read uh, some of the comments we got from iTunes. All right. The first one is titled Superior, 5 out of 5, and it's by Catalina8989. It's a lot of Catalinas out there, apparently. <laughs> um, Catalina says... It's safe to say when it comes to Spidey, these guys know the difference between a cha-cha and a waltz. And I loved that reference, so way to go there, Catalina. There you go. It's taken me 35 years to finally find someone who loves these comics as much as I do. And with a reference like that, I'm guessing you really love these comics, Catalina. Thanks for writing in. Excellent, excellent. Uh, And this next one is from Metal Avenger 1134. So maybe it's like Iron Man in disguise, leaving us a comment. Um, Very very subtle, Metal Avenger. Metal Avenger. It's amazing. The the comments title, Amazing and Superior, five out of five stars. These guys continue to put out the best podcast in iTunes about Spidey. Thanks, guys. You make my trip to work every day easy. One of the best comic book podcasts on iTunes. It's a show with guys who actually read Spider-Man comics. They have great insights and opinions. Superior Spider-Man is coming to a close. Can't wait to see Pete back at the helm and behind the mask. Well, we're right there with you, Metal Avenger. The future seems bright for your desires. There we go. (laughs) Uh, Before we move on to our emails, we'd like to say a special thanks to James Mastin, who donated money to the show. Um, You know, it costs us a lot to keep this show going. And um, you can always help us out, uh, you know, pay to host the show and for our equipment and really just to, you know, keep us and our spirits up and, and going. Um, and you can donate always by going to superiorspidertalk.com and clicking on the support superior spider talk button on the front page. And it will take you right to the PayPal form. And, uh, you can, uh, throw us some of your hard earned money our way. And, um, we'll be eternally grateful to you. So James Mastin, we thank you for your support of the show. Let's get to some emails, right? Right there, Dan? Yeah, take it away there, Mark. All right, this first one's from our good friend, um, Tom Aiello, uh, and he, he writes in, what do, you, what do you two see as the first appearance of the black suit? So Mark actually told me something interesting today that I, I didn't know when we were discussing this question earlier. So Mark, can you tell us the history of the release of the black suit issues, like why this might be a debatable question? Okay, sure. So, um, from my understanding, and and you know, if they're, you know, granted, this is a guy who didn't know what a no prize was, so take it with a grain of salt. Uh, my understanding was that when um, Secret Wars came out, the miniseries in 1984, um, they, when the heroes involved with Secret Wars, when their series started coming out. Um, at the same time as the first issue of Secret Wars, like the, the those series, the series picked up where Secret Wars ended, even though Secret Wars was still from in terms of how it was being released in the newsstands, it was still ongoing. So in the, in the case of the Black Suit, so the first chronological appearance of the Black Suit, my understanding is Amazing Spider-Man two fifty two. It's 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 was published May nineteen eighty four, but the first credited appearance of the suit uh, is Marvel Secret Wars number eight. That's the issue where Spider-Man discovers the suit. That's that was published December 1984. And and what 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 basically what Marvel did, and this is part of the reason why, um, you know, if if you actually look at how it syncs up, they uh, dump the black suit in Amazing Spider-Man 258 
which was, you know, like if, if you go back to our interview we did with Tom DeFalco at Connecticut Comic Con, they were talking about like the initial reactions of the black suit was like, oh, God, this thing's terrible. Uh, but but they had to keep it around for eight uh, for seven issues because they weren't ready to reveal it until Marvel Secret Wars 8. So like an all around the Marvel Universe, like like Thing was, you know, who ends at the end of Secret Wars, he leaves the Fantastic Four and is replaced by She-Hulk. Even though that didn't happen yet in in Secret Wars, like when Fantastic Four started being published, all of a sudden Thing was gone, and it was like, well, what the what the hell happened? We'll go read Secret Wars. So that it was kind of like this, like you know, marketing technique to play off the whole secret element of the miniseries, and and so for me, I consider the first appearance of the Black Suit two fifty two. Long winded way of saying that. Well, up until now, I considered it Secret Wars eight, uh, but you know. If 252 came out first, then yeah. But chronologically in the story, the answer would be Secret Wars 8. So I guess it really determine, it depends on what you consider something's first appearance. Mark, you uh, wrote this whole post about your feeling about first appearances. Do you want to weigh in on what you consider a first appearance? To me, first appearance is the first time, the, the, the earliest instance that you open a comic and you see that character in full. Because, yeah, because the, the thing I was talking about was with Venom. Um, when I did this post, it, we were talking about how, you know, like like Amazing Spider-Man number 300 is considered the first appearance of Venom. But we actually get um, two appearances of him in Amazing Spider-Man um, 298 and 299. In 299, we get to see him in full, the full body shot. In 298, he's in shadow. And that's not even considering the web of Spider-Man issue where, like, the mysterious hand just pushes Peter out onto the train tracks and his, and his, um, his Spidey sense doesn't go off. So it's like... You know, so what's the first appearance here? I mean, like, like, and my my post was arguing that we probably should count two ninety nine because it's the first appearance of the character, full body. You see his face. He's saying dialogue. Like, how is that not a first appearance? So it's the same thing for me with the black suit. I mean, like, we our first our first full look at the black suit was made in Spider Man two fifty two, regardless of where it is continuity wise. Well, uh, that's an interesting take, and I'm. Haven't really thought through it that much. <laughs> I kind of just tend to buy these things and go, well, it is what it is, and I'm glad to have it. But Dan, this is this could impact how you spend money on things. <laughs> I guess it could, but I already have all those books, so yeah. Yeah. All right, hot shot. Anyway, what's the next what's our next email, Dan? Our next email is from Daniel Kibler, and he says, Hello, Dan and Mark. How do you feel about Peter Parker's death and revival when it compares to how other super other superheroes died and came back, namely Superman, Captain America, and Bucky Barnes. So, um, I guess the question is, how do we feel about Spider-Man: The Other and how it's handled compared to these other stories? I imagine that's that's the question. Yeah, the, the other. That's 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 what you think the point of the question is right now, Dan. Well, oh, you're right. It, it, it's seven hundred as well. <laughs> Totally blanked out there. Oh, wah, wah. Well, um, so then the question is, Spider-Man has died multiple times. Um, yes, yes. And so is Captain America, for that matter, and Bucky Barnes. <laughs> it's weird uh, because I don't know that I associate 700 with the death because I never really believed that he was gone in any conceivable way. And, like, there was still a body walking around. Right, right. So, like, I don't know what – that's probably why my mind went straight to the other. But uh, I don't know. How do we compare um, that? You know, Dan, I mean, 
you know, it's funny. I, I actually did a post about Marvel Resurrections for What Culture a month ago, and and you know, these these are very frequently gotten wrong. You know, like I I think you know, especially in in more modern times, um, Bucky's resurrection in Winter Soldier, I felt was kind of one of the few moments of true brilliance. Um, in long in long point because it was just so audacious. I mean, Bucky was just like you know. I mean, it was nobody stays dead except for you know Uncle Ben, Jason Todd, and Bucky Barnes. Well, you know they already undid Jason Todd, but Uncle Ben was still dead, and so was Bucky. Um, so the fact that 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 Ed Brubaker and Steve Epting would 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 undo it was kind of like well, and then the fact like you know and, and for people who have seen the Winter Soldier movie, I mean like you'll it's it's you know. It, it's a great story. It's a great comic book story. So, I mean, like, it's just really well crafted. So I think that lends to it, but like, that's kind of the exception to the rule. Um, and then, you know, they killed Bucky off again in fear itself. And then they kind of brought him back and it was kind of like, eh, um, Captain America. I mean, you know, outside of, if you're talking about Captain America being thawed from ice in, in, in 1963, I think that was awesome. Uh, if you're talking about Captain America being like trapped in some like alternate dimension while Bucky was parading around his cap, like you know, before his movie came out in 2011, uh, not so good. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Superman, uh, the you know, that that was kind of cool. Although I'm always cynical about what happened with Superman in the 90s because um, you know, like that was like really first like so overindulgent event of like 90s comics to me like that's kind of like the, the definitive moment that started to kill the industry with with speculation and, and insanity and um, spurred on the clone saga yes yes i mean it spurred on the clone saga it spurred on um you know nightfall it spurred on <laughs> i mean you know Reed Richards was dying in Fantastic Four, and then 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 you had Heroes Return and Heroes Reborn, and oh, like let's 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 just ignore the '90s for a minute, please. Um, so let's talk about Peter Parker's death really quickly. Like, how do you feel it compares? I mean, I guess our opinion on this has probably been said a number of times, and we're going to talk about it a little later. I, I mean, I, I I don't think it was a very stirring resurrection, but the same token, like. How does it compare? I don't. I, I think it's on par with what else we've gotten. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I I feel the same way. Um, I mean, and the, I feel the same way about the other. Even like, okay, he died for an issue or two, came back with new powers. You know, I'm not enti- I'm not overly surprised about it. Like, I like Morlin as a villain, um, but I thought the other was kind of a clunky story and kind of bloated. Yeah, I will pluck out your eye, Dan. Yeah. Well, I mean, on, on the other uh, token, we have uh, Zach S. who writes in, and he actually has something to say about Straczynski. Why don't you tell us about that email? Yes, uh, he, Zach says, I am a huge fan of Jared Straczynski's run up until Skin Deep and Since Past. The rest was rubbish. But my favorite Spider-Man from Spider-Verse promo was the future Spider-Man of that run. I always oddly liked the peacoat look. Anyway, my question is, what do you guys think are the most overrated Spider-Man stories? And conversely, what are the most underrated well, uh, I'll take it away here. Um, All right, take it away, Dan. This, this, <laughs> this might not win me any fans, but uh, in terms of overrated, um, I tend to think the death of Gene DeWolf is a bit overrated. Um, Boo! No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Mark, Mark, do you want to counter me on this? No, 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 no. Keep, keep, give, give me your spiel, Dan. Yeah, I don't know. I just like Jean DeWolf, always kind of an undercooked character. Like she had this crush on Spider-Man, but we don't know much about her. And yeah, the death was interesting, but like, you know, and, and, and Peter David's writing was, was you know, novel at the time. But it, to me, like, and especially reading it in context of that run, the darkness of that story kind of comes out of nowhere and, you know, the, the villain is not totally mem- memorable. You know, it, it was a shocking moment and, and, you know, and kind of pushes Spider-Man to the brink. But, like, it's, it's not a story I really look on fondly or as being, like, a well-characterized Spider-Man story or, like, one that, like, oh, yes, that's one of my favorites to read or that's one of my favorite moments. It, it's, like, people hold that up there really high, but I don't see what the big deal is. Yeah, I I, I like Gene De- the the death of Gene DeWolf a lot. Um, there, I do have problems with it that I think um, the the fans of that arc gloss over um, uh, way too much. Um, I wouldn't go as far as call it overrated. Well, I don't dislike uh, it. I just yeah, I, just I know, feel like I know. People hold it up there as like the best of Spider Man. Yeah, it's it's like I mean, when you go to a list, it's like always in the top five, easily. You know what I mean? And yeah, I, it wouldn't make my top ten. It might, maybe my top twenty. Okay, well, what about um, you? What do you think is overrated? Uh, for me, I mean, this issue it doesn't get as much universal love as um, Death of Gene Wolf does, but like it does have a lot of followers who think very fondly of it it's amazing spider-man number 200 um i actually think this is of all the centennial spider-man issues this is probably my least favorite um uh, uh you like it you like it less than 100 yeah oh yeah definitely okay I, continue yeah um i mean for me it, it, you know is it, it, it 200 is it, it brings the burglar back um and um, the burglar is, you know, returning. It, well, Peter Spidey has lost his powers due to kind of an earlier um, thing with it was with Mysterio, right? Where yeah. he loses his powers, and and then there's this whole other subplot where like Mysterio fakes the death of Aunt May because he's like working in conjunction with the burglar, which like is just kind of crazy to me. Like like you know, it's kind of like when when. When Sam Raimi worked in that, you know, Flint Marco worked with the burglar and actually was the one who killed Uncle Ben. Like, I mean, like, it's just like, you know, the fact that the burglar is just kind of this anonymous, know nothing, uh, you know, like not no, know nothing, but you know what I mean? This anonymous guy and this is the one who changes the course of comic books. That's what makes it so fascinating to me. Not like that he will, will work with the masters of special effects because, you know, he wants to rob the buried treasure of a and of may and Ben Parker, you know what I mean? So, uh, kind of, kind of a really wacky retcon for me in terms of, um, um, the whole Peter origin story. Then there's the whole part that, you know, Peter essentially kills the guy at the end. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. He like forces him to have, well, he doesn't force him, but he triggers a heart attack. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, people like, oh, you know, this is the face. This is the face of the person you, you killed my uncle. And, you know, there's kind of an Anigo Montoya element to it. Um, but uh, it didn't really work for me in the context of Spider-Man. And then just me as being like nitpicky writer writer guy, 
the writing in that issue just kills me. Like the the the, the dialogue, it's like every other word is is punk or creep, and it's just like over and over and over. And it's like you couldn't think of any other like adjective for these characters here. Like this is it, you know. So. 200 is my underrated is my overrated issue cool so for me underrated and mark i you might scoff at this because um this this often makes like people's worst of spider-man lists and mark i believe you put this on a list of yours um is i didn't put i didn't put the the uh, it wasn't the worst stories it was a worst moment all right well for me, one of actually one of my favorite Spider-Man stories or like, you know, a, a graphic novels that stands alone is Spider-Man Reign, um, the kind of um, Dark Knight uh, Returns Spider-Man story. Um, and there's a really wonderful um, article about this, um, this story online, which I'll link to right here. Um, and yes, Dan, you've sent that link to me in the past. Yeah, and and I'm I'm a. This big... is your crusade. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> it is my crusade. I really like this story a lot um, because I think it kind of gets like Spider-Man in so many different ways, um, and uh, I love the artwork in it and the reappropriation of all the villains in just a really unique vision and an interpretation of Spider-Man that could be canon, but you know probably will never be. You know, like I. It doesn't go so wild and out there that it, like, wouldn't fit in with actual Spider-Man story. So, like, I really enjoyed Spider-Man Reign and would recommend people check it out. Sounds good. And and, and my underrated and, and Dan, I, I think I've changed this up, like, 20 times over the course of this recording. Um, I'm going to go with, and I was shocked when uh, comics should be good during the uh, summer 2012 did their top 50 reader choices for Spider-Man comics, but this didn't make the list, so that's why I'm going to call this underrated. Uh, whatever happened to Crusher Hogan? Oh, I, I love that story. It's actually printed in a Best of Spider-Man book, but I've never I, seen it receive that kind of acclaim since then. Yeah, I, I, I know that book you're talking about, but I mean, again, I agree. Like, like to me, this is kind of like the magic of the DeFalco Friends era in like one nutshell. It's it's just this great one and done story that 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 you know looks back on a character that you may not even thought about from the Dicko years. That like, but they they just breathe such life into it, and like it's fun. Yeah, people like kind of criticize like manslaughter is is kind of a uh, a lame lameo villain, but you know like I I I I I adore this story. It's one of my favorite. Like I I, I would. You know, when we're talking about top 10 or 20 or whatever, I mean, this would very easily go in my top 20. Um, maybe not top 10, but, you know, like this is it's it's to me, this is like, you know, like that, that the, the run of Spider-Man comics, man, when you went from Stern to to DeFalco, um, you know, like that was just like so so great right i mean like is that is there a better era of spider-man comics than, than I, I that can't run think there is although i like the beginning of straczynski's run quite a bit um but but i will say like the ending of that issue is one of my favorite endings to a spider-man comic yes because it puts peter in the situation where no matter what he chooses like there's no right answer like yeah. someone's gonna get hurt and it's gonna you know weigh on him and to me that defines like a good Spider-Man like story is Peter's put in a situation with no good choice, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it's with great power must also come great responsibility. But like, Peter doesn't have the power to make two responsible choices. You know, like that's that's which is just kind of the 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 irony of it. You know. Yeah, that's a wonderful story and one I grew up reading a lot. Yeah, so so that is my underrated choice. Well, great, Mark. Let's get into our, some of the news for this week. I'm moving to the country, I'm gonna eat me a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country, I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country, I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. Yeah, um, the big news, I mean, it's, it's really just one item. Uh, this will be interesting to keep an eye on when the issue actually drops uh, the last Wednesday of April. But um, Amazing Spider-Man number one uh, per Diamond Distributors is already surpassed 600,000 uh, orders, uh, pre-orders, which uh, would, would pretty much place it as if, if they actually sell these copies and then some, I think is the best-selling comic of like the last 10 years at least, right? I, I mean, I know the Obama issue, which was like 500 and... 80,000 it sold. I thought I, I, I've seen some places call that the great, the best selling issue of the 2000s. So I don't know if something has surpassed that since 2010. Um, but um, yeah, so Amazing Spider Man 1 is getting some real love here from at least from the retailer side, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, well, that now to, to let listeners in on this, like that's just pre orders, like that's not actual sales. So, you know, a lot of times these stores will be given deals where in order to get a specific variant cover, they have to buy like several hundred of the book in order to get that variant cover. And they can sell the variants for much higher prices. So it might be worth their while to order more books than they actually think they can sell in order to sell those variants. Um, so, you know, these books might just fill up shelves. Um, yeah, now, like you that. know, hopefully not, and, you know, but, you know, now Spider-Man's selling just over 100,000, you know, a book. Can the market swallow 600,000 Amazing Spider-Man number ones? Who knows? Yeah, I, I mean, I have no idea. I mean, I can tell you outright that that Alex Ross variant, like, I keep, like, checking out my um, my little online sites to see if there's a way to pre-order that thing. Is that, that that cover is beautiful. I'm guessing that's probably, like, one of the... Yeah, it's probably, like, a 1 in 50 or 1 in 100 or something, which means it's probably going to cost a pretty penny to get. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm looking at the variants, too. For me, it'll be more like if they're there and they're reasonably priced... Or I can make a deal with my comic shop, who usually gives me deals on variants, um, because I, you know, am a his Spider-Man guy. So you know, I actually we'll bought a bunch of of Superior Thirty One variants, and oddly enough, don't have a regular covered Superior Thirty One. I went to my local comic shop and 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 you know got my weekly pull, and in my in my box was a variant cover. Well, it was just speaking of the Obama issue. Um, there's double covers for that. Do you own both of those covers? I I own a couple. I don't own that was I got that during my subscriber time. So the the initial um comic that I own is the regular cover. Yeah, of me like, too. It sent me the one with um uh, ladies on the brow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Peter and the Cougars, right? <laughs> so are we both missing the uh, first print Obama? 
I yes, I have like a second or third print Obama cover. Wow, I was a little embarrassed to admit this to you. I don't have the first one either. Well, I, I but you have a first print of that issue, so I, I, do, I mean, I do. So, so I to me it counts, you know, like <laughs> it counts, Dan. <laughs> I don't know, man. Look at us with these holes. Uh, don't do not do not. Uh, now that I'm so damn close to owning the whole thing without the annuals, uh, <laughs> don't don't move the bench the the, the goalposts on me, Dan. I don't might, move. I might just. I might just. If we're gonna if we're gonna start talking about like dual covers, then then I might just get up and quit on you. <laughs> well, Mark, you know, uh, thinking about Amazing Spider-Man number one, let's move and go now to talk about the last official book in our collections. Amazing Spider-Man number 700. Yes, and also a book with a ton of variant covers. <laughs> that is true, and I own almost all of them. Uh, yeah, I don't own the Dicko one, and I don't own the Joe Quesada one, but I, I, I own all the others. Um, yeah, Amazing Spider-Man 700, I thought this was an uh, appropriate issue to talk about. It's the last issue in our collection, maybe. We'll see, we'll see uh, when the numbering gets closer to 800, if they start counting those superior issues as part of the lead-up to 800. I bet you they do, Dan. Yeah, I, I bet you. I bet we'll see it, uh, 750 right around the corner oh my goodness ah damn you marvel just you uh, wait. uh you know so that's so you know good good thing that we we collected superior right um so so maybe the comic that started it all or ended it all i guess um you know it, it, we never we we started this podcast a couple of months after 700 drops so we never really gave it a proper review i don't even know if i ever gave it a proper i, I talked about it on chasing amazing but that was kind of when i was more in my like high high philosophy days of writing about comics <laughs> instead of actually just like trying to put opinions to them um i think it's a good story but not a great one i think it tries to be more ep- epic than it actually pulls off um wh- wh- what do you think about it dan i think i'm a little bit more favorable favorable of it than you are because uh, uh, i know i know your problem with the ending of it and i don't think i am as sour on the ending as you are i think this is a really fun um comic mostly in just how it it operates like a grand epic Spider-Man comic where he's going to get, you know, that real triumphant, you know, moment. And it hypes readers up, you know, like so big, you know, to think, oh, my God, he's going to be able to turn the table on Doc Ock and get out of this. And, like, even if you were to, like, skip ahead and open the last page of the book and see, like, Spider-Man standing victorious, like, over... You know, Doc Ock, you might think, oh, yeah, that's the big hero moment. Like, yeah, Spider-Man won in the end. But it's got that twist to it where it's not what you think and and, and everything is backwards. And I, I really like that it continually psychs you out. I don't think I've ever read a comic more nervously than I read this comic. Yeah, no, I, that's that's a great way of putting it. And I, can, I, I actually remember because um, it came out, well, it was the day after Christmas, right? It was... Um... December 26th, I think, was was the, the drop date because I was at my uh, in-laws' house, and um, you know, I, I was still uh, home subscribing at that point. But I was like, 
I gotta read this damn comic because you know Jesus Christ, uh, Peter Parker. Uh, Jesus Christ, it's Christmas. No, but but <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but uh, seriously, like Peter Parker's gonna die. I, I need you know, like uh, it was already spoiled for me because you know, duh. Um, but um, and I remember like driving up. You know, my my, my in laws are up in Lowell, Massachusetts. So I, I I the nearest comic shop to them was in it was in New Hampshire. Oh, uh, so I, I so it was a thirty minute drive. I, I went there and I grabbed the copy and I got home that night. I'm sitting there on 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 the couch and I'm reading and yeah, like my I, I just like I just felt nervous reading the whole thing. Like oh my god, so I got, I got what, what's what's going on? This is this is crazy. You know what I mean? So yeah, on that end, totally totally bought into its premise. One hundred percent. Dan Slott was saying he's going to ruin all of our Christmases, and I'll tell you, like my Christmas was spent like sweating over this like what is going to happen tomorrow yeah which makes me sound crazy as like a 27 year old but like you know yeah i mean you know i I don't know if it ruined my christmas but you know (laughs) no no my christmas was still great but like this was the thing i wanted to do like yeah yeah um so so you know in terms of like what what really worked for me like more specific scenes like you know we 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 get another peter kind of in the mindscape dream sequence thing um i thought the tim harrison uh callback was just brilliant um you know i loved how peter's clothing changed to represent all the different decades of of peter parker that we've gotten yeah yeah i mean i will say at this point um you know the the whole mindscape um gimmick had kind of been used a few times by by dan slot and so like it kind of lose it kind of lost a little bit of its freshness i mean like he he still incorporated elements like you were talking about with the clothing and and, and the characters that were there um that made it different and thereby i still liked it um but i i i have read some comments about that scene uh, and not from the the typical internet trolls, but you know, very thoughtful comments about, well, you know, why are we doing this? You know, it, like, I feel like we're we're hitting these same beats with Dan when it comes to Peter. Um, but for me, it worked. Although I, I did chuckle when like Silver Sable and Rhino showed up, and it's like, oh, Dan, you're still trying to sell that that death, huh? <laughs> but but Mark, that wasn't heaven; it was his mind. So, oh, that's right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, because again, people care about Silver Sable and Ends of the Earth. It's just, um, but yeah, um, I mean, I'm assuming you 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 are of the same mind in terms of the Dreamscape stuff. Yeah, I thought it was beautiful. I liked the Uncle Ben reunion. Yeah, um, and the like, go get him. You know, I really felt that when I was reading. It. I was like, yeah. Go get him, and it had yeah. me hyped. You know. Yeah. Um, Although it, it it is kind of like. A little want wah over the fact that it's like one more fight and then you can rest, Peter. And it's like, oh no, but but he lost. <laughs> um, yeah, but I like that because, like, yeah. you know, every other time Peter has had that same speech and he ends up like pulling it through, but this time he didn't. You know, yeah, because oh, yeah. Yeah, the odds were so insurmountable. Yeah. Um, um, I, I will say in terms of stuff that, that, that did kind of leave me sitting wrong was the, the, the Otto or Spock stuff with, with MJ. This is kind of the start of like the really – I mean it's creepy and like how does she not walk out on him the first time he calls her woman in this comic? Like it just seems 
very odd to me. Like, like you know, a, 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 a plot point that was put in out of convenience to serve what we went on to go see was this really gross mischaracterization of who MJ was throughout Superior. Yeah, and we got, you know, Stegman doing the next arc dealing with her, you know, and, and Spock. Um, but, like, man, Ramos drew this one and made it so terrifying. You know, Peter looks like the most sadistic person on Earth in this book like the dark shadows and and like his kind of you know cackling smile i was like oh my god like when yeah. people were afraid of the whole like mj rape thing like but for good reason like this book was creepy yeah yeah i mean that when he when he kisses her yeah like that oh and then there's like that shaming moment of mj like that whole what are you the plucky sidekick speech which was like very self-aware, I felt, because it's like it kind of reflected like – I felt it was reflected like comments from fans who felt that, um, you know, MJ was being – has been poorly used ever since, you know, the whole One More Day thing. But, you know, it, what's kind of ironic is, you know, Slot, while being self-aware with that scene, he's kind of – he's also part of the problem with MJ, you know? Like he he hasn't gotten her right either, you know? Like he's – He's he's been off base with MJ since since Spider Island, as we keep saying. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're not going to get a disagreement from me. Um, so so um, yeah, I did like the Doc Ock, where, where it's Peter is Doc Ock, Carly stuff. I thought that was a pretty strong scene. Uh, it's you know kind of using using hindsight. I you know I, I never felt that plot line was totally service in a satisfying way because you know Carly still has that information about you know that interaction and you know like to this i mean can we can we effectively say that carly did nothing with that information now that superior is over yeah she did nothing with that information i mean i guess maybe it tipped her off but like yeah but it was like but it was like you know you know here we here we go again about plot and character i mean you know that was a plot point that was introduced to you know eventually put carly on this journey where she would end up as a goblin and then then have to leave the book you know what I mean? Like that's that's the net result of it. And and you know, like I felt like having Carly be the one who was kind of the first to be clued in on something was up here that had potential to go to some really interesting places. At least if you were a person who liked Carly Cooper, which I think for a while you and I both did, right? Yeah, I I, I still like Carly Cooper. I think you know I, I put her as number six on my list. Plug plugging my list again. There you go. Um, you know, and 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 the reason was because she's kind of one of the only women that's ever like, kind of stood up to Peter Parker and his be- treatment of her. You know, um, I think it's a big step forward for the women in Spider-Man comics, who are often kind of just, you know, waiting around to feel the results of Peter Parker's actions. Um, and you kind of see some of that actually in issue thirty-one that we talked about earlier, but. Um, like, when she finds out that Peter's been lying to her, she's not like, oh, good, thanks for telling me. She's pissed off that Peter yeah. hasn't told her. And I think, yeah, that's an appropriate reaction from, from someone. So I like her for that reason. So I still like her. I think you're right. Like, this storyline's like, just to get her to turn into a goblin? Like, what was that? And, you know, there are other things. Like, where did the corpse of Doc Ock go? We didn't talk about that. Maybe yeah. we'll see that come back again. Who knows? Yeah, but, um, yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah. Um, and then in terms of other interesting moments from 700, um, watching Jonah, like that, that 
sadistic grin come on his face when when Spidey or Spock or Spock knocks the jaw off a scorpion and like I knew you had it in you. Like to me, like that was like one of those like clear signals, like, oh my god, this new status quo is gonna be so messed up. Jonah likes Spider-Man. Yeah, and, I, I and, love that. And kind of going back and reliving that moment, again, you know, I reread the issue obviously before we did this podcast. It kind of made me made me like have paused about the idea that like Spock went ahead and betrayed Jonah. Um, like I, 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 part of me thinks I would have been more interested in reading a superior storyline where like Jonah was just in his corner the whole time. Yeah, I, I, you're right. That would have been interesting to read. I mean, I'm not against what we got, but yeah, that was an you know I was excited for that status quo. But I, the Jonah moment that I really like is when you know Otto is going to get on the plane to get out of the country so that there's no way that Peter, you know, can beat him. And yeah. like Jonah calls him out about it, basically, like over the news, and Ock yeah. decides not to get on the plane. Yeah, I thought that was brilliant. Like, yeah, yeah. it's like you know that's a pure auto moment where he's like, "You know what? I can't do this. Like, I got to prove that I'm better." And yeah. I was like, "All right, yeah, I get this character now." Yeah, yeah. Um, another great moment to me, like I think probably the greatest mind bleep that slot introduced during this whole thing, the gold octobot failing at the last second. Like, like how, how, how horrendous was that in a good way? Right, Dan? Yeah. right. You see the tentacles touch the head and you're like, yeah, he's going to do it. And then he's like, nope, it's shielded. And you're like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) um, but yeah, I mean, you know, to me, you know, part of what sours my my view on this comic that you know we've talked about this in the podcast in the past is is, is just how the the, the story ends. Um, I feel that the whole transfer of memories slash Otto promising to honor Peter's memory and be a superior Spider Man it doesn't really rushed and with no without the appropriate build. Uh, I said this. In my post, the days after I first read this comic, I, I still maintain rereading it and, and having reread it other times since then. Um, you know, like this is, and, you know, when we talk about slots pacing issues and rushing to the finish and rushing over the, the important parts, I feel like, you know, this is kind of on display in this issue. Yeah, I mean, like how all this stuff works out, you know, did have ramifications for how the memory stuff would work out in, in these issues and our, and our understanding of that, which I don't know about you, but I'm still not clear on how any of this memory stuff works. Um, I know Slot says that he told it to an 11-year-old and the 11-year-old got it, but I, I have real doubts about that. Um, but <laughs> that's, one, that's one hell of an 11-year-old, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah 11-year-old, um, get, you know, send this 11-year-old to Harvard or something right now. Because... <laughs> is, that, is that where the co- all the great comic book writers go, Harvard? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 just comic book interpreters. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, um, but, you know, I think this scene, for me, like, I thought it mostly worked. I thought Ram, uh, uh, Ramos's art was just gorgeous, and um, mm. he really sold me on... Like the reliving, like when he drew Otto into the moments from Peter's life, the reliving of it. And um, I kind of like the whole ending. You know, it's, it's in a declarative statement, like, you know, that he'll be the superior Spider-Man, you know, um, you know, in a kind of splashy moment. Uh, but I think one of the things for me, like, I think there's like a line missing, like it needs one more line to sell it or like italics on like the word superior. Um 
because I think it's all about inflection. Like reading it in the book, you're like, oh, this is kind of like poppy, you know. But like reading it out loud, like I get it. Not that I like sat around reading the book out loud, but like I could see like the Otto's interpretation and, and misinterpretation of what he saw and his ego saying like, well, I'll just do this better, you know. And and that was enough to sell me on it. Um, so, I, you know, I bought this issue a bit more. I, I remember get, having that feeling of being like, well, okay. Like I, but I think, you know, what, this is it. But I think my feeling was more like I want more than yeah. disappointment. Yeah. Um, agreed. Agreed. Um, do, do, do we want to give grades for retro issues, Dan? Well, why not? Um, so I'm going to give this a B. And I'm going to give it an A-. minus. I, I really enjoy this issue a lot. Excellent, excellent. All right, Dan, why don't, why don't we get into our special message? Did you hear about the all-new Amazing Spider-Talk number one? What? You tell me more, Dan. It's a number one issue, which means everybody needs to listen to it. Uh, yeah. And w- will there be new 52s of them? Nope. No. Just one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so tell me, what, 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 are we rebooting, Dan? Are we, are we, are we relaunching? Are we relaunching with the, the Amazing Spider-Man number one and, and creating our podcast into Amazing Spider-Talk number one? Yes, Mark, we are. Um, I know, guys, in all seriousness, uh, you know, we really thank you for listening to us through the Superior era and, and you know, following our Superior Spider-Talk branding. And for a while, Mark and I have told you that we're not going to change the name. Uh, when when the series came, because Superior wasn't just our name; it was our motto. Isn't that right, Mark? That's that. That was what I said. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Superior will continue to be our motto. Um, but um, there have been some technical things that have come up um, uh, surrounding our host to the podcast that we've been using, um, and they have kind of they're kind of taking a little too much control over our work and limiting things that we would like to do with the podcast. So we need to move away from our host service uh, to a place that we control. Um, but there comes a downside to that in that we have to leave this podcasting feed and migrate to another. So Mark and I met and we had a, a unanimous agreement that not only will we be migrating to a new host, but um, we're going to change the name of the show too to Amazing Spider Talk. So you've heard it here first. Amazing Spider Talk is the new name of the show, but... There, um, there's a downside to that, Mark. What's the downside? Well, uh, you know, for one, we're, we're going to need to get all of your comments back. Your comments on iTunes uh, really was like a huge proponent of what helps our 
our community grow and 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 you know helped us helped our searchability within iTunes. Uh, I know like this is a total major drag and this is a lot to ask for you, but you know we we, we do want to give you some incentive to do it. Um, but you know you know first and foremost you know when when the feed is up. Uh, if you can, you know, if if you've left us comments before and ratings in the past, if you can go back and do it again, that would really be incredible for us. That would be the most important thing you could possibly do for the longevity of this program. And um, so here's what we need need you to do: we need you to go into iTunes and search for Amazing Spider Talk. Uh, there you'll find our podcast, and you'll see it. All of the old podcasts we've already done before. So if you feel like Superior is going to go away, don't worry. Everything will be there. Just subscribe to that new feed, and you'll see all of our names and information there. Leave us a comment. We need to get back up in our comments again. But here's the deal. If you leave us a comment uh, by our first show of Amazing Spider Talk, you'll be entered into a random drawing for a free digital copy of Amazing Spider-Man Family Business. Yeah, that's a twenty four ninety nine value, Dan. So that's 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 something to squeeze the skull shot, right? Yep. So we'll we'll do it at random, and who knows, we might throw a couple other things in there for you as well as some secondary prizes. But think about this: you're going to get your own copy of Amazing Spider-Man Family Business, and you're going to help us out by reviewing the show. And again, we can't thank you guys enough. Um, but the, not only are we re, you know, changing the name of the show, there are a number of new things that are going to be coming to the show, such as uh, giveaways of digital comics and possibly artwork, a lot of contests to get free content for you. Um, and, and with control of our work might become more specialized things like um, you know, listener-requested podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the one thing I really want to announce today, Mark, we've been kind of uh, holding this secret for quite a while, is that we have a brand new logo for the show. So if you look down at your player right now, you'll see our new logo. So, Mark, do you want to tell us a little bit about this logo? Well, this this logo was was um, provided to us courtesy of the the amazing generosity and artistic talents of Ron Friends and Sal Buscema. Um, you know, this was something, you know, when 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 Dan Dan talked to Ron in, at Baltimore Comic Con. Um, All the way back in October. Yeah, that was, yeah. I mean this this the, the seeds for this were first planted. Um, you know, they 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 just gave us, you know, their time and and, and like it, it's 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 gorgeous. It's amazing. I, I mean, like I'm stunned that there are people in the industry that would do something like that for us. I mean, you know, like Ron Friends is like, you know, gold for life and Sal, too, obviously. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't want to I don't want to be little Sal's efforts in this because he's 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 gold, too. But I mean, I know Ron really kind of took took the reins from you on this, Dan. And, and, you know, obviously, thanks to you, Dan, for for for, you know, putting this all together for us. Yeah, well, I'm really excited about it. But I also want to thank uh, Ray Sumzer, who did the coloring and the lettering on it. Um, it's really beautiful. I hope you guys enjoy it. It should help us usher in a new era of amazing spider talk. Number one, please, if you can go and subscribe, we don't want to lose you as listeners. Go find us on iTunes or go to my website, uh, superiorspidertalk.com, and you'll see all of our episodes there. If you're one of the people that's listening to us on Podomatic, we apologize and we hope that you can come join us over on another service. 
Yeah, and and when you do come and join us in in two weeks, our our first episode is going to have some really good stuff, right, Dan? We're going to have uh, our review of Amazing Spider-Man number one, volume three, and also our thoughts on the family Spider-Man family business graphic novel, uh, which was uh, surprisingly very good. Uh, not to not to spoiler our review. <laughs> <laughs> I might uh, not agree. Maybe. Oh well, there, that's true. Um, and then we're going to give you a classic issue. Uh, in this case, uh, in 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 cell so, in. in Thematically, we're going to talk about the first issue of Amazing Spider-Man number one, volume two, the the infamous uh, John Byrne Howard Mackey reboot. So uh, that that will be interesting. How right? enticing, Mark! <laughs> I, I know. I, I, I'm supposed to be baiting you, and I'm talking Mackey Byrne. So so, um, but we, we promise we'll have fun things to say. <laughs> Great. Well, I think it's time for us to wrap up the show. You can find all of our old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at my website, superiorspidertalk.com, or find us on iTunes by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. Don't forget, you can find all of our future podcasts still at superiorspidertalk.com, but again, we need you to subscribe to Amazing Spider Talk on iTunes to get to new episodes, and if you do, please leave a rating and a comment to let us know how we're doing, and we'll read it on the air. And if you have any opinions on these comics... Or any questions, you can email them to us at our new Gmail account, AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com. And, of course, we'll address and read them on the air. Uh, also, be sure to check both Dan and mine's Facebook pages. Dan, you can be, Dan's uh, site can be found at Facebook.com slash SuperiorSpiderTalk, whereas I can be found at Facebook.com slash ChasingAmazing. Uh, both are really great places to keep up with us in between shows. We put articles that we've written, share each other's news tidbits, all that great stuff about that Spider-Man universe. And, of course, uh, we put information about how to get in touch with us. And I'm sure over the next couple of weeks, you'll be hearing a lot about Amazing Spider Talk on both of our Facebook pages, right, Dan? Yes, absolutely. We're going to be blowing the internet up. We'll see what's uh, left. Yes, and, and Dan, where else can we find all of your goodies? Well, you can follow me on Twitter at, at @DanGavazdan or follow my website at, at @SupSpiderTalk. I think we've done enough plugging here, Mark. Tell us where we can find you on the internet as well. Uh, yeah. Yes, once again, Chasing Amazing Blog, www.chasingamazingblog.com, at Twitter, at Chasing ASM Blog, and uh, find my other writings on Comics Should Be Good, Gimmick or Good, and WhatCulture.com. Mark, as will always be our eternal words leaving the show, we consult a dear friend of ours. Is this the friend who said, I vow to be superior? No, the other friend, Mark. God. Ah, yes, our other friend, our friend who said, for the last time, with great podcasts must also come Superior Spider Talk. <laughs> <laughs>